What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the greatest combat sports and culture show in the entire universe, the Fight Podcast. I'm your host, Serge Vicente, and this is episode 287 of the show. On today's menu, we're going to go ahead and talk about everything UFC 262, okay? We had, we're talking about UFC 262. We have a new era in the lightweight division, the glamour division of the UFC, the lightweight division. We have a new champion, a new king, and that is Charles Dubronx Oliveira. Somebody that we know made that bold prediction last year. I don't know quite who that is, but we'll talk about that. Also, we're going to go ahead and discuss what is going on with Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua. What is going on with the judging in UFC and so much more. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump on into the episode. Hope you guys are having a great week. It's Tuesday here in uh in bright and sunny California, man. Everything is doing uh looking beautiful. It looks like it's getting nice and kind of warm everywhere uh in the country. We also looks like people are getting vaxxed. You know what I'm saying? We still getting out there getting vaxxed and whatnot. So I'm seeing more and more people walking around outside with no masks on. It's a little freaky. I'm not going to stunt. I'm a little shook when I see it, when I'm, you know, going out there for that little uh, evening stroll. But at the end of the day, uh, look, everyone's getting back. It's fantastic. Uh, I'm still rocking my mask. I can care less. It's still a pandemic out there. But uh, all in all, man, things are pretty dope. And the reason, another reason things are so dope is, yo, so many amazing, amazing fight cards, so many great moments. And uh, well, let's just go ahead and jump into it because today we don't have anybody on the show with us today. Uh, we'll end up getting back to Brothers in Combat with our brother Darnell Giovanni. We'll end up doing that again uh, probably next week. We'll get back started with that. Uh, we'll also end up having later on this week, we will have B-Cam the Guru coming on the show and talking all things boxing because there truly is so much boxing to talk about. So we'll go ahead and discuss that. But uh, today, we'll keep it short. We'll keep it sweet. But let's go ahead and start off with UFC 262, Charles Oliveira versus Michael Chandler. Look, a lot of people were looking at this fight and were excited about it. This is the the post-Khabib era in the UFC, especially in the UFC's lightweight division. So it's kind of genius when you really think about it. When you actually have these guys, who, and at first when people heard Charles Bronx, you know, Du Bronx, Oliveira against Michael Chandler, a lot of people were complaining. People were complaining because, look, they understood Charles Oliveira. He was on eight fight winning streak. He just beat Tony Ferguson. All right, we get it. But everybody wanted Dustin Poirier. Well, look, Dustin Poirier said, it's still time for Red Panty Night. And he's going over there and he's fighting Conor McGregor for the trilogy, which at the end of the day, I'm not mad at. I totally understand. But the UFC went ahead and they ended up getting the former Bellator champion, arguably the second greatest fighter ever to come out of that promotion's history. They threw him in there, and now he ends up having the title shot against Charles Oliveira. People were complaining because it was only a second UFC fight, and they were like, yo, what gives? Nobody gets a title shot after their only second fight in the UFC, and guys, that, that's just simply not true. It's absolutely not true, because when we really think about it, who... I mean, we also had Gilbert Melendez got it. I think it was his, maybe his first or second fight in the UFC. He ended up getting a title shot. We also had Anderson Silva. Anderson Silva, first fight, he ended up fighting, beating Chris Lieben. His second fight, he ended up getting um, Rich Franklin. So we have these guys. It's happened before. And this was one of those unique circumstances where former champion, he goes out there, fights a guy that's been blitzing everybody in Dan Hooker. And he goes out there and absolutely destroys him. 
cuts the best promo, gets his Ric Flair on. Look, dude's handsome. He's bodied up. He knocks people out. Former champion. It made sense. So as a true, you know, martial arts and MMA fan, this is one of those fights that you really were looking forward to going into it. I loved it. I was super hyped because I'm a fan of both guys. Charles Oliveira is a guy that's been in the UFC for, this is going on 11 years. His first fight in the UFC was 2010, I believe. And I think in that fight, actually his first fight, if I'm not mistaken, was John jo- headline John Jones versus Vladimir Matyushenko. And that was on Versus, a station that doesn't even exist at this point anymore. So think about how long ago that was. And he's a guy that, look, man, a lot of us saw him get beat up. A lot of us saw him quit. And even in his last loss, which was against Paul Felder, it was a second round TKO. If you saw that guy that fight and watched him against Michael Chandler, it wouldn't, you don't even know who's the same guy. He's evolved that much in that period of time. So let's talk about the fight a little bit. This fight was one of those that was an absolute treat. Okay. It was an absolute treat to watch um, because it had everything. And we'll talk about the judges' scorecards in a little bit later on the show, but uh, I, I don't, I don't want to get into that right now. But what I do want to go ahead and talk about is that the first round goes out there. Charles Leroy starts off the fight landing a huge leg kick. Knocks down Michael Chandler. He He's, you know, controlling the first half of the round. He actually ended up having two minutes of control, a little over two and a half minutes of control time in that round. The back half of the round was all Michael Chandler. Michael Chandler ended up having the best jiu-jitsu practitioner in the UFC, the record holder of submissions in the UFC. He had that guy on his back and was able to get out of it. Was I surprised? Kind of. But when you really think about it, not really. We're talking about a guy in Michael Chandler that in his career has never been submitted. He's fought some really amazing grapplers and he wasn't been able to be submitted. So when I saw him get out of it, it was like, okay, let's see how this continues. But then Michael Chandler goes out there and does what Michael Chandler does and lays hammers. And he went out there and just, I mean, really started hurting Charles Oliveira. Looked seemingly with every shot he threw. Ended up dropping him toward close towards the end of the round, but Charles Oliveira ended up surviving. That's what I'll say. He ended up surviving. In the past, those type of moments where Charles Oliveira was pressed, hurt, knocked down, a lot of times, a lot of us would say he would have quit or he would have just gave up on himself. We've seen it happen before, fam. I watched this dude, wait, I can't remember which UFC it is. If anybody's watching right now, and by the way, everybody who's watching right now live on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitch, we appreciate you guys for joining the greatest combat sports and culture show in the entire Universe Fight Podcast. But if anybody's watching right now and you know which UFC it was, but it was a UFC in Chicago, it was against Cub Swanson. He was fighting at 145 pounds, and look, to this day, I still don't understand why this dude still wants to fight at 145 pounds, but he even said he might want to go back down. Um, he, he went out there, and he lost to Cub Swanson via knockout. That guy, I didn't expect to come back and get any wins. We saw him, I don't want to say quit, but we saw him pretty much get beat up and subbed by Anthony Pettis. Um, I mean, time and time again, like I said, even the last time against Paul Felder, but Second round starts off, he does exactly what you're supposed to do to Michael Chandler. Michael Chandler, one of the things that is not his strength, and the only real way to get him off you is a couple of things. He, just like I always talk about Conor McGregor saying Conor McGregor is the best seven-minute fighter in the world. 
dude, Michael Chandler is right there with him. He comes out of the fight just like a bat out of hell. He's trying to get you on his Usain Bolt shit, just going out there, going to destroy you. And a lot of times he does. He is a finisher. He goes out there to get the finish. He will submit you. He usually he'll try to knock you out. And let's not talk about he's a well-decorated wrestler as well. So the one drawback he does have, though, is if you push him back on his heels, he can end up being susceptible to getting hurt. Getting pushed back gets bullied a little bit. I don't want to say bullied because he never really gets bullied. But that's where you can end up exploiting some of his weaknesses is if you actually get him on his heels. Second round, Charles Oliveira gets out of there, literally meets him in the middle, center of the ring, and five seconds in, lands the most perfectly placed left hook. Technically beautiful left hook. Catches um, Michael Chandler, staggers him. In that moment, you can tell that Michael Chandler was... You can see, I don't Here's the thing. I, I think he might have been a little overconfident going into that second round. He thought he had him out there. If you listen to a lot of the, the commentary that he had leading up to the fight, especially during the media day during fight week, he also believed that Charles Oliveira, if he get, you get him hurt, you get him out of there. So the fact that he had him hurt, I think at the end of the day, he wasn't as defensively sound as he should have been in those moments. So Charles Oliveira goes out there, pushes him back. The moment Michael Chandler steps back, Michael Chandler's hands aren't all the way up. He gets clipped with a left hook. He ends up getting, he panics, he gets finished. Amazing performance by, um, amazing performance by both guys. Both guys went out there and performed. I don't want to make it sound like it was a shitty performance either way by anybody. No, no, this was a great title fight. This was a fight between two guys that are truly two of the best in the world at what they do. One's 31 years old, one's 35 years old, and, and they are just absolute savages. The best of the best. One of them just had to lose, and unfortunately it was Michael Chandler. Um, but it was Du Bronx's night, 19 seconds of round two. He ends up getting the finish. He ends up getting a UFC record. This was his 28th fight in the UFC. It took him 28 fights to get to a title shot. He broke the record of Michael Bisbing that was originally uh, 26, was the most fights in the UFC without actually winning or getting to a title. So he ends up getting that. Like I said earlier, it was his first fight in the UFC since 2010. Now he's currently on a nine fight winning streak. He's the UFC's finish leader. He has now all, all now he has 17 overall finishes. His last loss was in 2017 versus Paul Felder. Yo, we are in an era right now. This dude, and when you really think about it, we saw a couple of his, his, his wins coming up, right? You saw him beat the Nick Lenses of the world. You saw him beat Clay Guida. You didn't think much of it. Those guys were on the tail end of their career. So eh, whatever. Um it wasn't until the Kevin Lee fight where I even looked at him and was like, damn, he finally looks like he's putting it together. This guy, he can strike with you now. He, he, he's the best grappler out there. He is a problem at lightweight. He's a true problem. Now, he has holes in his games and he has deficiencies. He can get hurt. So he makes him an even more exciting champion. But at the end of the day, he has so many tools. And this dude is somebody that's so technically proficient that if you're not on your shit he's going to get you and one thing that i love that he does that a lot of people don't do is that he attacks you and there's no place where you can rest 
If you're on the feet, he's he's finding ways to attack different angles, different ways. When you're on the ground, he's attacking different ways. If he's on his back, he's looking to attack different ways. You always have to be on defense when you're against Charles Oliveira. I called this shit at the end of 2020. That was my bold prediction for 2021. Remember, at that point in time, nobody was talking about Charles getting a title shot. Nobody was. I said by the end of 2021, Charles Oliveira will end up getting a title shot and be the champion in the UFC. And I believe that he will be a long reigning champion. Yes, a long reigning champion. And the reason I say that is because let's think of matchups. And I know everybody's going to think about his chin. Look, he can get dropped. You got Connor, who's great in the first round. Can he get him out of there? Can he do- we, we think of all these different things. But I'm telling you, it's just one of those things where somebody's finally at the point that they're putting it all together. And not only do he has a, a, a unique combination right now of veteran savvy and been in the game forever and youth. He's only 31. Very similar to like a, like a Max Holloway, somebody that Charles Oliveira lost to, but it's very similar to him that he is somebody with a wealth of experience, but he's also super young, so he can kiss keep, keep getting better, and that's exactly what I expect from Charles Oliveira. Um, let, let a couple of things that I want to talk about. Uh, what's next for Du Bronx? It's obviously the winner of Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier. I think everybody at this point in time believes that Dustin Poirier is kind of the uncrowned king at lightweight. Deservedly so. Uh, he he's the he gave you know Khabib a good shot. He beat he knocked out Conor McGregor. I think a lot of people when you look at it knocked out Justin Gaethje. Um, he's beaten a lot. I mean, actually, he's beaten most of the top guys in the weight class. So a lot of people obviously are going to go ahead and pick him. But for me, that's a very, very unique fight. And I'll say this. If Charles Oliveira wins this, there is no question, no doubt, this dude's going to go out there and be a problem for a super long time. Uh, I'll say this also. Yo, Brazil is gone for a long time. Brazil is officially, officially back, okay? Uh, the, 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 the homeland of MMA, a lot of people could say, um, it, it, for a while, especially when USADA came in, I'm not saying anything allegedly, but all of a sudden, a lot of the Brazilians went away and all they really had was Amanda Nunes as representing him as their champion. Well, now you have Davidson Figueiredo at 125 pounds is going to defend his title against Brandon Moreno coming up in a couple weeks. We have Charles Oliveira at 55 and you have Amanda Nunes at 35 and at 45. Brazil has a lot of up and coming people. And if you look around the weight classes sprinkled in there, man, Brazil might be back. Seems like they might have figured it out. And um, let's be honest, the U.S., we only have one champion. And that's Aljamain Sterling. And we all know that that fight came with a little bit of controversy. So Brazil is back. I love what I'm seeing. I mean, think about it like this. As at this present moment in time, Africa and Brazil have the most champions in the UFC. Each have three. How amazing is that? That is so, so dope. Um, Now, I I did want to talk about this. People have a problem, and I keep on saying, I heard some analysts say it online. I've seen it on IG and things like that. People have a problem with them not speaking English. 
That's one thing I love and I respect about Charles Oliveira, okay? I can get into it a little bit later on, but one thing I'll say about Charles is that he is so connected to his, his favela. He is so connected to Brazil. For him, he, he doesn't care. And at the end of the day, for us, if somebody does, if, if for him it doesn't seem necessary to learn English, why do we care? Okay? So can he make more money? Can he do certain shit? Possibly. But we also forget Brazil is probably the second biggest market in MMA. I'm sure he's doing fine. And the fact that he is so embraced within his community, I think he just is like, no, nah, man, this is my shit and I'm sticking with it. And I respect that. So salute to Charles Oliveira. I, it was one of those moments when he won. It, it was like, I, it was, I couldn't be more proud. I was so proud because I remember I was watching his first fight. I saw that card in 2010. I remember him and to see his career and to watch him live and to see him lose and win and lose and, and have his turmoil. And it's funny, even the fight itself had a little bit of the, it, it was almost very fitting for his career that his fight, he got hurt in that championship fight and had to actually pick himself up and come back because that's kind of the, the it, it really parallels his career. He won this title fight in Houston, Texas. Why is that special? Well, it's special because he also was awarded his black belt in Houston, Texas. So Houston for him has a huge place of significance. So I love it, man. Congrats to uh, Charles Dubronx Oliveira. Uh, I love it. Now, let's talk about the, the, the not only was I a loser, but the uh, Michael Chandler who, who came up short in this matchup. He says he wants to be, he's like, I'll have that belt around my waist within a year. All cap, okay? That, that's, that's what I'm going to say. That, that shit's all cap. He absolutely will not get the belt by the end of this year. The reason I'll say that is this. The division is too stacked. The division is far too stacked. Think about this. We already have to get Charles Oliveira against the winner of uh, Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor. We don't, that fight's not going to happen until October, November? So automatically, he's not going to get the fight back. And I'll be honest with you, as deep as the weight class is, as deep as it is, guys, Benil Darius, the, the, I was just looking at it. He's ranked number three. This dude's already ranked number three. Kind of buried the lead there and talking about, you know, <laughs> the co-main event. But if we see what's going on, man, it, it, there's too many guys in that weight class for him to get a title shot right away. Do I think he can get back into contention? Yeah, he has to win two fights. Who do I think he's going to end up getting next? If you look down the list, everybody's paired up except for one. And that guy is Justin Gaethje. And stylistically, holy shit. If you don't get excited about this fight as a fight fan, look, I don't know what to tell you. This is everything you want. Two guys that can absolutely bomb on each other. Two guys that are very well skilled. Two guys that are very well coached. Shit, Trevor Whitman currently coaches Kamara Usman, who used to get trained by Henry Hooft. Henry Hooft trains Michael Chandler. So they have these team comparisons and parallels, which is fantastic. That's the fight that needs to be made. I love it. Um, man, salute to him, though. He, he did his thing, man. Love Justin, uh, loved um, Charles, uh, well, Charles Oliveira, but also... Michael Chandler. All right.
Uh, moving right along, let's talk about this co-main event that I kind of spoiled. Let me get a second. If you guys are watching live, I appreciate you guys. Um, remember, listen to the Fight Podcast everywhere. Podcasts are available. Apple, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, fightpodcast.com. All the episodes end up being on there as well. Listen, like, subscribe, and share. I believe you can do it right down here somewhere. Right there. All right. Give me one second. Let's get this rocking. That's one thing when you're doing these by yourself. It's a lot of talking, man. I got to build my brakes in when I can. All right. So. Is Tony Ferguson done is the question. Uh, Vanilla Darius goes out there and absolutely dominates I'm going to say it again. Just absolutely dominates Tony Ferguson in this co-main event. First round, he had two minutes control time. Second round, he had three minutes control time. Fourth, fifth, fourth, or should I say third round, he had four minutes control time. Oh my God, dude. It, it's, as a fan of Tony Ferguson, it hurts to see, and, and it hurts to see this happening. We just saw with Tyron Woodley, fam, father time is undefeated. That's all we can say about this. He's one of those guys that was the hardest working dude in the room. He's a little crazy, but he always showed up and he gave his best. He had a granite chin and he actually does have a high fight IQ. When you see Tony Ferguson go out there now, though, he's not able to get off the same things that he used to be able to get off. And it's just because he is a step slower and the division is just caught up to him. Now, is he getting beat up? And if you look at him, is his face all like mangled and shit? No. Can he beat somebody in the top 15? Yeah. Honestly, everybody, anybody past seven and up, seven to 25, you guys are all going to have trouble with Tony Ferguson still. But unfortunately, I hate to say this, Tony Ferguson just isn't elite anymore. He's lost 11 rounds in a row now. And honestly, he hasn't seemed like he was the same since Justin Gaethje. And if you look at Justin Gaethje's last few opponents, obviously aside from Khabib, but he fought Cowboy 0-4 since fighting Justin Gaethje. Fought Tony Ferguson 0-3 since fighting Justin Gaethje. James Vick 0-5 after fighting Justin Gaethje. Justin Gaethje is a problem. And when he hurts you in the beating that he put on Tony Ferguson, I honestly don't know if that ex did anything. Did it expedite the process of father time catching up? Maybe. But then right after that, he fought Charles Oliveira, the best fighter in the division right now. It's fighting hit and he got dominated there as well. The Neil Dariush goes out there, plays it safe to an extent. People were a little upset about it, but... I mean, I was thoroughly entertained. I mean, he went out there. It was pure domination to see him control and handle uh, Tony. It almost seemed like he was a bit confused and a bit surprised that he had that that much success. Just kind of kind of ragdolling Tony at, at a couple points in time. Um, I personally, yes, would I have liked to see a little bit more ground and pound by the Neil Dariush? But yes, but should he have gotten booed? No. His history says he usually goes out there and just absolutely bombs on people. So the fact that he absolutely goes out there and 
I don't want to say plays it safe, but has a solid game plan against a really tough opponent. Ah, I'm not mad at it. Shit happens. So um, now, like I kind of said a little earlier, he is actually ranked number three in the lightweight division. Yo, who would have thought? Who would have thought a year ago that Benil Dariush would be ranked number three in the lightweight division, the glamour division of the UFC, of all of MMA, would be Benil Dariush. A jiu-jitsu guy that all of a sudden started knocking people's heads off after he started training over there with Rafael Cordero in King's MMA. So you have that guy going out there and he's ranked number three. He absolutely dominates. But when you look at who's ranked, who can he get next? Well, we already know. Connor and Dustin are, are, are fighting next. The winner of those fight, the winner of that gets Charles Oliveira. We all think that probably the <laughs> Justin Gaethje versus... I mean, he can get Justin Gaethje. That's a fight. Justin Gaethje's right there. He hasn't fought in a while. So, yes, that's a possibility. I think Justin Gaethje's going to end up getting uh, Michael Chandler. What I do think is going to end up happening is I think we'll end up getting a Benil Dariush versus uh, RDA, Rafael Dos Anjos. I think that's a great fight. Rafael Dos Anjos is ranked number seven right now. And it's one of those fights that he was just ranked right, right there next to him. It makes a lot of sense. The winner can be in between, is a legitimate top five guy. And how, and RDA is an absolute savage, has been doing it for years. He went back down to 155 and has proven that he's still that dude. And remember, he's a former lightweight champion. He was probably one of the scarier lightweight champions for a while. Do you remember what he did to Anthony Pettis? When Anthony Pettis was fucking showtime, he went out there and just absolutely destroyed him. So that's a guy that I'm really curious to see how he's going to implement himself within that weight class. I think that's a great fight to make next. Uh, Benil Dariush versus RDA would be really dope. All right, uh, moving right along. Just to give a couple standouts for UFC 262. Uh, I have to point out Edson Barbosa and Shane Burgos. What a fucking fight. We knew it was going to be an all-out war, but uh, Edson Barbosa goes out there and gets to end up, gets a knockout. 116 in the third round and it was brutal and the reason i say it was brutal because it was we've seen delayed knockouts but i've never seen a delayed knockout like this he caught shane burgos edson barbosa caught him with a huge overhand right and the wild thing about it is shane burgos got caught with the punch ate it got back into his defense bobbing around and then out of nowhere, dude, you saw his like eyes got big. He was like terrified behind his eyes. What's going on? Sleep. Went to sleep. Couple of uh, finishing shots. Edson Barbosa is one of those guys, has name value. He's been around for a long time. Watch out. The UFC might fuck around and give him another win. He might be in that title picture if you don't watch out. So we'll see about that. Um, let's talk about this also. But in this card, judging. Yo, the judging has been absolutely terrible there was a couple fights later earlier in the card that i thought they were just totally wrong um but they two of the judges gave michael chandler a 10-8 in the first round a 10-8 round is around like gray maynard versus frankie edgar one shit gray maynard frankie edgar two go look at those fights Go watch how somebody gets absolutely dominated. Look at, which wasn't a 10-8, was a 10-8 round, um, Glover Teixeira versus Anthony Smith. That is a 10-8 round. 
A 10-8 round should be a round in which a fighter is just completely dominated. There, you have no bright spots. Charles Oliveira had over two minutes of control time. Was threatening on the back. Dropped him with a leg kick. That is a guy who, I agree, lost the round. But 10-8? And this is why it's a problem. Because two of the judges gave it a 10-8. If Charles Oliveira didn't get out there and gets this knockout, he's already down two rounds. Going into the second round, he's down. He has to, he has to get a knockout almost at that point in time. Because they gave it a 10-8. You're fucking with people's livelihoods. You're fucking with people's money. That could have really messed up the fight if it went to a decision. Just because of those two 10-8s, which I personally think were just completely asinine. It's ridiculous. It absolutely should have been a 10-9. 10-9, totally understand it. 10-8, come on, son. Come on. Um, but I don't know what we have to do. I don't, it seems like we wanted more 10-8s, and now the judges seem like they're just like, sure, here, they're just awarding 10-8s for no reason. There has to be some kind of consistency in the judging. I don't know what they're going to do. I know that it's, the, it's not a UFC thing. I will say this. The judging in Texas has always been terrible. I feel like we talk about this all the time. That was the same fight where we had, we all believed that Dom Reyes beat John Jones. That was in the same exact stadium. The commissions and the judging in Texas is awful. We should never have title fights in Texas. They don't know what they're watching. I have no idea what they're doing. It's crazy. Unfortunately, it's probably not going to happen because... That stadium in Houston is owned by Fertitta's brother. Go figure. All right. Um, let's move right along, man. I hope you guys are doing great today. Like I said, we're getting some rapid fire and whatnot in. If you guys are watching live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, thank you guys so much. Let everybody know about the show to join us live. Remember, you guys are part of the show. Ask questions. Let Talk to us. We will put you on the air. That's how we get down. All right, let's move to some fight news. Um, a couple different things. In the UFC, Corey Sanhagen versus TJ Dillashaw has been rescheduled for July 24th. Uh, that's going to be a fight night. Can't wait for that one. That's going to be a lot of fun. Also, in fight news, uh, moving on, let's talk about boxing for a second. An arbitrator has ruled that Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder must face each other in a rematch by September 15th of 2021. This means that the fight with Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury is at this point at least postponed. Probably might be off, but it is at least postponed. This is crazy. We've never seen this happen. And the crazy thing about it also is that Bob Arum and, and uh, Ty, uh, Tyson Fury's team went out there and tried to give, uh, ask for step-aside money. They were going to pay him to step aside so that they can move on with the division, have the super fight, the unification fight. Deontay Wilder priced himself out. He said, give me $20 million to step aside. They said, no, we're not doing that. He did it on purpose because he personally wants to rematch. He's been training. He feels like he has a, a new lease on his career. He's been doing things differently. He believes he's going to get that back. Will he? I have no idea, but this is what I do know. Bob Arum, who promotes Tyson Fury, just revealed that top rank uh, just um, 
reserved July 24th in Las Vegas for Fury Wilder 3. Bob Arum said what he wants to do is have uh, him fight Tyson Fury fight July 24th against um, Deontay Wilder. And then he wants a fight November or December in the unification fight because he believes that he Tyson Fury is going to run through him. So we might end up getting two great fights this year. Uh, we don't know. But it lo- really looks like we're about to get uh, in July the trilogy Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder. Who would have thunk it? All right. Uh, last but certainly not least, we do have some fights this weekend. I want to talk about really, really quickly. Let me pull this up for you. Ah, there we go. We got UFC Fight Night, uh, headlined by Rob Font versus Cody Garbrandt. I love this card. I love this fight. Um, this at one thirty-five, number three, Rob Font versus the former champion in rank number four, Cody Garbrandt. I got Rob Font in this fight. I think that his boxing defensive boxing is a touch more technical and i think he's better defensively i think he's equally as explosive and as good offensively within his boxing those those uh, new england cartel boys can get it in i love what i I love that team i love what they're doing uh kelvin cater all those boys over there i got rob font winning this fight i'm gonna say second round knockout also on this card we got jean Jonan, okay, she is the number three um, strawweight in the world. Uh, she is going to fight the former champion Carlos Sparza. This is a number number three versus number four matchup. This should be entertaining. Jean Jonan, I I'm, I know I'm butchering her name, but I'm telling you guys, she might be the next champion at strawweight. She is an absolute monster. She is just as explosive. Just as talented as uh, Zhang Wei Li. I'm telling you, China, they have some women that are coming out there and the absolute monsters. I love it. Um, the rest of the card, meh. I'll watch it, but I am excited about the main and co-main events. Uh, also, this weekend, we have Bellator 259. Cyborg versus Leslie Smith 2. It is what it is. I think Cyborg's going to go knock her out again. Leslie Smith's like 45 years old. I'm, I'm not even saying that to be funny. I think she's literally between like 42, 43, something around there. But she's talented and she's very skilled. But I still think that Cyborg is going to be just a little bit too much. And I see her winning this fight quite easily. Also in this fight, we have uh, Austin Vanderford versus Fabian Edwards. This one should be a really good one. This is that middleweight. This is a fight that is the featured uh, bout. Uh, for that one, I love this fight. Fabian Edwards, the brother of uh, of Edwards in the UFC. Why am I blanking? Leon Edwards in the UFC. Fabian is extremely talented. Big dude. He's, obviously, he's bigger. He has a lot of skills. I like what I'm seeing with those guys. This should be a very interesting fight and might have possible contender implications. So I love this fight also. Uh, Darren Caldwell's also on this card, a former champion at 135 pounds there. He's fighting Leonardo Higo, which should also be a great fight. But all in all, yo, a lot of really, really great fights this weekend. (laughs) Obviously, we had some amazing fights this past weekend. Boxing's coming up. Like we said, May is absolutely chock full of some great boxing i will talk about all the boxing and more on our show tomorrow you got to join us i'll be here uh that'll be you um tfp 287 or 288 and we'll be out here with the uh, the guru b cam will be on the show uh but without further ado that's about all the time we have for today everyone who has joined us live 
on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch. Thank you guys for watching. Tell everybody about us. Listen, enjoy everywhere podcasting is available. Check us out at thefightpodcast.com. Listen, like, subscribe, share. Thank you guys. Love you guys. I will see you next time. This is Serge Vicente, the host of the greatest combat sports and culture show in the entire universe, The Fight Podcast. This is episode 287. Love you guys. See you next time. We'll be right back.